my friends, and welcome back to the Sailor's Daughter podcast, where we are navigating personal and professional resilience. I'm very excited about this first official episode where I am interviewing Helen Pamely, the career coach for lawyers. She's an ex-law firm partner, an ex-magic circle lawyer based in the UK. She now does career coaching for lawyers, but as I mentioned in that uh, short and sweet introductory episode, even though she has a legal background, A lot of her advice, I think, is applicable to people of different backgrounds and careers. In this episode, we're going to discuss going from an employee to an entrepreneur mindset. Um, We'll be discussing how different generational work cultures are kind of clashing and what it would take to change that goal setting and aligning our decisions with those goals. Uh, I really loved her advice here in terms of working backwards, so... If you have some goals on the horizon and you're feeling a little lost about how to get there, I highly recommend uh, tuning in, especially on that section. Um, She also goes into detail on how we can create opportunities for ourselves and maintaining perspective on our own mindset. Adapting to a new job with this new mindset that we have, which can often be difficult if you've ever been in a situation where you've tried implementing healthier habits, maybe stronger boundaries. Sometimes our coworkers and even our friends and families, um, maybe they don't respond well to that. Maybe because they're not used to those boundaries being in place, or maybe it's just new for them and they're they're not quite sure how to respond. So I think Helen gives some really great advice on that as well. And then finally, uh, Helen teaches us how to believe in ourselves and using logic to overcome our inner critic. And I don't know about you, but my inner critic is very loud sometimes, so... I think there are so many people who will get benefits from this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Happy to have you. Um, I'm excited to have you on for this first interview podcast for The Sailor's Daughter. Um, To start, I would love it if you could share a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. Um, So I started out quite a few years ago now. I actually started my training contract in the UK back in 2013. so the training contract, I think, is when you guys sort of very first start out. I don't think you've got that process. That was at the law firm Linklaters, which does have a presence in the States, I think. Um, but in the UK, it's one of the big, what we call magic circle firms. Um, one of the really big players, it's international. I had a lot of varied and quite interesting experience there. Um, and then I qualified into disputes after a couple of years um, after qualification, so about five five years in. Um, I then ended up trying out a couple of different firms and then ended up at the firm where I eventually made partner, which is called Roslyn King. And that's a London-based firm. Um, alongside all of that, though, I think a few years into law, I started looking at other options and following other interests alongside um, I actually did a master's in psychotherapy, which was four years long, and I did some clinical training at Priory Hospital, which is a big um, sort of psychiatric hospital here in the UK. Um, and then I tra- retrained as a coach. So now what I do is I offer all sorts of different things, but sort of consultancy and coaching to lots of lawyers and other professionals, really, on their performance, their well-being. It's all about success. It's about how to make your life and your career a success, but also the most fulfilling it can be for you. So that's my everyday now. 
I love that. And it sounds like it was um, a lot to, was it a lot to balance like the training plus being a lawyer or did you kind of, um, did you like stop being a lawyer before getting into your psychotherapy training? So uh, no, I didn't stop being a lawyer. It's it's a bit of a story actually. So I, gosh, I went to another firm after I was at Linklaters and actually soon after being at that firm a few weeks, I actually realized it wasn't for me. So I did what people tell you not to do, which is I quit without a job. Mm -hmm. And um, I went on a yoga retreat in Scotland in February. So to put that into perspective, you guys in the States, it's like the freezing cold. Um, (laughs) So for two weeks, I was there eating porridge. I was freezing to death um because I had no eating <laughs> and I was just doing meditation and yoga and contemplating life you know and I was like, what do I do next and I got speaking to a lady who sort of told me about this particular psychotherapy masters which was based in mindfulness something I've been super interested in I'm very interested in mindfulness and meditation yoga and all that sort of thing so I came back to London and I you know did an intro week with the lady who founded it and I completely fell in love with it so then I booked into a four-year master's, which had 13, sorry, three-year master's with a bit on the end, um, but had 13 weeks residential. So then I had to find a job which fitted around this master's. So believe it or not, I actually um, got my job at Roslyn King and I negotiated a three-day week. I ended up doing quite long hours, but that was my choice. Um, And it was quite amazing because actually, I suppose this probably feeds in in a roundabout way to a lot of the stuff we'll be talking about. But um, when I kind of had other interests and outside, you know, other ideas of where I maybe wanted my future to go or just other interests, actually, my imposter syndrome dropped away. Mm -hmm. So I suddenly became way more efficient, way more effective. Um, and I started to fly through the ranks, even though I was part time and doing all this other stuff. So that's within two and a half years, I made partner. Um, so <laughs> it was a bit of an interesting route, so to speak. Well, that's awesome, though, that you were able to find um, like this thing that you were super passionate about and bring it together with your legal career. Um, is that, And then that from that, you were kind of able to like just really like come into your own it sounds like um from that experience would you say I know we've talked a little bit about looking at your career as a business is that kind of where you started to um like take on that mindset yeah so I I think so it's interesting because a lot of the tools perspectives and the way in which I coach now are kind of me reflecting on hindsight on well one a lot of the clients I've worked with and what's worked for them and experience through that but also my own experience I think you know if you'd have asked me at the time was I thinking is my career a business I'd have said no what are you talking about but actually that is what I was doing because what I talk about is moving from an employee mindset to an entrepreneur mindset okay when you're in an employee mindset and probably some law firms will sit there slightly in horror at this because I'll be empowering their associates but I think it's all in a good way if you're a good leader this is a good thing for your people um it's not such a sort of subservient role you know or, or idea or perspective it's more equal so actually you're thinking you know what's best for my firm how can I make my firm succeed how can I do all the things which are you know really great here and really shine but also what am I doing for me does this fit with my short, medium, long-term vision? You know, um, you're kind of putting yourself in that central importance. And actually we need this because so much, so many of the issues in the legal sector actually circulate around the fact that lawyers are really burned out. They're really stressed and their mental health is not good. 
if you are not feeling well in yourself, you are not going to perform at your best. You're not going to reach your potential, you know? So mm-hmm. actually kind of having a you first mentality and making it work for you, you're going to perform better. You're going to be a better asset for your firm. So it actually works out better for everyone. But I think so much of the time, especially because as lawyers, we're type A personalities, we're people pleasers, all the rest of it. We put everything above ourselves and our own well-being. And actually that's to our detriment. Mic drop. Yes, that's <laughs> that's definitely. I've, I mean, I'm only a law student right now, but just from the networking I've done, the stories I've heard, like that just seems to be the recurring theme that I'm hearing from big law attorneys and house attorneys over here in the States. Um, and I guess on that subject, how how do you think it will change? Is it a matter of more lawyers, whether they're law students or, you know, in the qualifying stage, taking on this mindset and kind of putting themselves out there and letting the employers adjust to the fact that they have more, um, I guess, associates that are acting in this way? Or is it more about training employers to kind of embrace this mindset, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I think this is a complex issue. And I think it's going to play play out over the next few years. I mean, I think we've got Gen Z coming in who are a different generation. They want things for themselves. They want it to be different. They're asking for more. This is already a clash with employers. You know, you've got employers who are bringing in consultants saying, how do we deal with Gen Z? (laughs) So I think we've got this. Um, I think that we've got big law and then we've, I don't know exactly how it is in in the US, but over here in the UK, we've got a lot of different things, smaller law firms, slightly different outfits, all starting up. So I think this idea of, oh, you just have to head straight into big law is not quite there anymore. You know, there are lots of options. Maybe even you want to do legal tech or something cool like that. AI is this whole new front. I mean, we're in this sea of possibilities at the moment. It's super exciting. Now, I'm not saying to anyone, don't do big law. I mean, I did the equivalent of big law in the UK. It was a great training. Um, But what I'm saying is, you know, that there are clever ways of doing this. It's like, I think a lot of the time people suffer in their legal career, one, because of the pressures put on them by the firm, but two, because of the pressures they put on themselves. Like, do you actually need to be there at midnight? Is is it actually good enough? You know, do you need to double check, triple check? Okay, maybe double check, but do you need to quadruple (laughs) check and all the rest of it? Like, have you done enough? Can you delegate this? And I think what often also happens in law firms is, you know, there isn't enough training for people in terms of how do I manage myself, my time, my well-being? There's not enough leadership training. People are um, promoted based on their legal capabilities rather than their capabilities to manage why isn't there more management training? Why are people not, you know, at all levels understanding what it takes to be a great lawyer, to look after themselves and also to look after their team? So I think there's lots of things that firms can be doing. As individuals, there's more we can be doing. And I think we're going to see big changes over the next few years because of that wider light landscape as well. Yeah, de- uh, for sure. I definitely, I, I love hearing all the stories about Gen Zers, you know, how they're changing the workplace, uh, but it's also not all on them. It's a two-way street. And I think, as you said, that's where the clash is coming in uh, with employers and employees. From that, with this mindset of embracing your career as a business and kind of setting these boundaries and finding that balance, uh, what would be your advice to someone, whether it's finding their first legal job or maybe it's their next legal job, what would be your advice to them in embracing this mindset? So I would say, first of all, just slow down for a moment and take a breath. 
and actually tap into what you really want. If I was coaching somebody, I would be, well, I'd be doing all sorts of different exercises, but I'd be saying, what's your one year? What's your three year? What's your five year? What's your 10 year goal? Okay. Now these can shift and these can move. These don't need to be set in stone. But what I see happen a lot of the time is that people make immediate decisions based on a whim, you know, when I actually say to them, well, actually, where do you want to be in 10 years? And then they tell me that or five years, whatever. And I say, well, how does this step or this decision align with that? Mm-hmm. And then when we actually break it down. I say, actually, it, it doesn't really. It just felt like, oh, it was the right thing to do or it offered a lot of money. And I think what it's about is it's about um, tapping into that vision and then working backwards from it, because that is the fastest and surest way that you're going to reach the point you want to reach. Um, not that there's any moves that will be particularly that wrong. It's, you know, there aren't many things we can't come back from, but in terms of you having focus and vision, I think that's the way it's a bit like a military operation. You don't sort of say, oh, okay, we're, we're going to go out and you know, we're going to go to that country and do X, Y, Z. And you're like, well, yeah, okay. How, how are you going to do that? Like, what, what's the point? We're not really sure what the point is. We're just going to go there. You don't do it. <laughs> right. There's gotta be some planning and foresight into it. Exactly. And I think that maybe the slight issue is, is at the beginning, you just want to get a job a lot of the time, you know, you're like, how do I break into this career, which is really impossible to break into? How do I stand out amongst all these other law students? For example, I was totally there. I actually really struggled to break in. If you're interested, I can tell you a bit about that journey and how I made it happen. Um, But it's, it's a challenge. And I think the danger is in all of that is you can perhaps end up compromising too much if you're not careful when you don't need to. Yeah. And I, we, I would love to hear your journey about breaking into, you know, the legal career and how you did it. Absolutely. So I suppose I should just paint the the picture that I didn't come from privilege or wealth. I didn't go to what we call in the UK confusingly public schools which are not public they're actually private um <laughs> but I didn't go to a paid for school is my point like I, I just I didn't understand the city of London I knew nothing about the world of finance or law or corporations or any of that and I just remember being a bit like a rabbit at headlights you know um I was I did well in my degree in the end I got a first class degree in this country but at the same time it it just wasn't you know I wasn't able to get what we call vacation schemes in the UK well I did but I managed to get them at what regional firms so this isn't London this isn't the international firms um when I applied to the London firms they were saying well you're not showing dedication because actually you need to have London firm experience and that's not what you've got and I was thinking like I can't get that and so I think this for me looking back on it is it was a really pivotal moment I would say to people if you don't have an opportunity in front of you how can you create one what can you do differently you know how can you think outside the box um, what I did at that point was I'd just done a year abroad in Germany. Um, I spoke German, uh, having learned it, I wasn't uh, bilingual or anything before. Um, and I wrote a letter to a bunch of German law firms, including some international ones. And in hindsight, this is quite sort of cute German. There was sort of the odd mistake. Um, and I think they read it and just thought I was really, really sweet, you know. So then off the back of that, I got a couple of interviews, one of which um, was at Mayor Brown in Berlin. They agreed to take me on for an internship in the summer. And then once I had Mayor Brown on my CV, then I actually managed to start getting interviews at the London firms. You know, that still wasn't easy. I still got, you know, swathes of merciless rejections. Um, But in the end, I ended up getting a place at Linklater's. So it was worth it. 
Wow. Yeah. And that, that actually leads to the next question I had for you is like, how do you, cause it sounds like you cast the net far and wide, so to speak, like you were just going after, you know, whatever opportunities came your way and just kind of putting yourself out there for people doing that. How do you keep doing that without burning out from rejection and kind of losing faith in your ability to land on something one day? Yeah, so I think it. I did go for a lot of firms, that's true, but they all were similar types of firms. I knew I wanted to work in like, you know, a big commercial international firm, you know, so I wasn't going to go for, I wasn't going for the smaller, say, regional firms. I wasn't going for criminal law. You know, I, I realized I had to brush up and understand the world of like finance and all of that stuff, you know, and understand how the assessment centers worked and all the verbal reasoning tests and other horrible tests we had to do, you know. So I think while there were a lot of applications, once I'd done a few, actually, although they always say to you, and absolutely don't do this, you know, (laughs) don't copy paste into applications, I did get on a roll because I was saying the same thing over and over in a different way, right? So Mm -hmm. I was going for the same sort of thing. In terms of not burning out, you know, you, you have to pace yourself. I think you have to be really realistic with yourself. You know, if you haven't made it in this round, if you're going to go for it next year, like make sure you're taking breaks, make sure you are taking some time off. You can't just go for this, you know, nonstop. The other thing is I think it's about getting perspective on your mindset. You know, it's not taking it too personally. It's like you could sit there and think I'm getting all these rejections and that's because of me. That's because I'm not good enough. You can also spin that on however, how many people are applying, how many great people are there out there? actually right now I just haven't stood out enough yet you know Mm. how am I going to change that who do I need to network with what job could I take in the meantime and I think it's something about having that perspective on your own narrative and your own mindset not necessarily just taking on board what it says like the whole I'm not good enough I'll never make it you notice that thought and you think actually is that something I'm choosing to attach to or is it not and therefore that's a bit more empowering for you yeah. And what 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 have you found in your experience so far with coaching has been like the most helpful in making that switch from taking on like kind of a negative mindset about oneself into a more positive kind of like that business mindset you were speaking about? Honestly, the most powerful tool I have in my toolbox um, and I share with all my clients and I weave this into my coaching is meditation and mindfulness. Mm. Because the more you can come into your body, the more you can get out of your head, the more you can become the observer of your thoughts rather than attached to them, the more you're in control of your mind rather than your mind controlling you. That really is it. And I think a lot of people think of, oh gosh, I just can't sit still or my mind's really busy. Cool. Then you've got a busy mind. You know, it's it's really about learning to see your mind, your thought processes, your narratives in a different way, understanding that there are different parts of you. There may be a part of you that is crushed and wants to give up and feels like it's failing. Notice that. But that's not all of who you are. There's Mm -hmm. also a part which believes in you that's determined that, you know, believes that it can move forward because otherwise you wouldn't be trying to do that. It's like trying to get that awareness of the different parts of you and realize that, a voice is coming from a particular space at any one time and that doesn't make it the truth and then I think you can you can take a step back through that from so 
taking this, <clears throat> excuse me, taking this like conversation even further. So from the application process to like settling into a new position, and you've kind of already hit on this a little bit, but what would be your advice for taking agency over a job position and setting oneself apart? And I know the, you know, viewing your career as a business mindset is a big aspect to that. If you were to flesh that out more for like a client, what would that look like? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. So I think it's it's always about noticing, I think, the lay of the land, wherever you are. If you think of yourself, it, maybe think of an analogy in sales, you know, mm-hmm. if you're trying to sell a product to somebody, you need to really understand them, their needs, their wants, what's going to make them buy, you know. So if you're going to a new law firm, you need to understand its work, its clients, how it operates, how does management operate, how does the promotion structure operate, who do you need to impress, how are you going to start building your network internally as well as externally from day one, you know, if we're looking at the people you need to impress, then we work out what's going, what really makes them tick, because no point you putting effort into things which they don't value, Mm. you know, you yeah. might have a boss there who really loves, you know, presentations or people who get in front of clients, then be that person who volunteers for that, you know, mm-hmm. think about whether you're, and as a junior, you absolutely have to do a lot of this, by the way, but think okay. about whether you're getting much visibility and whether you're stuck doing back office tasks, you mm-hmm. will have to do a lot of them, but make sure that in some way or another, you are getting the visibility you need in order to grow. So that's the whole kind of taking in the landscape improving and heightening your emotional intelligence will be hugely beneficial there then of course there's the whole looking after you thing you know which Mm -hmm. you work out actually so if I need to perform my best and I want to generally I need this many hours sleep this is kind of the balance I want can I learn from those senior to me what they want from me in the team if I know what they want I know when they want the work the deadlines the expectations I can then even if I'm just keeping it my to myself and no you know work out how I best perform in this role and get what I need from it in terms of so like let's say you have a client and they've set out this vision for themselves and they've gone after it and they've achieved you know that thing that they thought that they wanted and then they're in it and they're starting Mm -hmm. to deal with conflict or it's not what they thought it would be like have you had clients in that situation where what they hoped for and worked for really hard for uh is not what it ended up is not what they thought it would be essentially like what would be your advice to clients in that situation life is a continuous journey you know and I think we we don't always know what something's going to be like until we get there I never ever thought that I would want to leave law like that was my you know, my goal, my love, my passion, if you'd have spoken to me at university, like that's would have been a no brainer. But I guess for me on many levels, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, you know, Um, in some respects. And I think there's something about, I don't know, the wisdom of life going on a bit, the wisdom of maybe a little bit of age, where you learn that, you know, nothing is wasted. And you take from it the learning that you want to take. And then you strategize as to your next step. 
you know it's like i don't know you go on a ship you go out to sea you navigate to a certain place and you think oh this destination isn't quite what i want okay <laughs> so where do you navigate to next and you know i think if you have if you're heightening your self-awareness if you're using the kind of tools and methodologies we've just described you know you're going to be somebody who has gained a lot of experience you're going to have a good network you're going to know a lot of people and i think if you stay connected to your truth and your passion whatever you do next is going to be an exciting next step it's all about staying in I think a a healthy mindset as much as you can and really knowing your worth I think that the biggest challenge I see for people is the fact that they don't value themselves enough and maybe the biggest one of all is they don't believe in themselves I can't give you self-belief I can help you get to the point where you start realizing your true value and hopefully you can start believing yourself but that's a job you've got to do and I think that's the biggest thing that I see holding people back. And when you're trying to help a client get to that point where they do, you know, start to believe in themselves, um, it sounds like this this mindfulness practice is really what takes it to the next step for clients that might have a hard time kind of embracing mindfulness. What are tips that you have for clients in that situation? Like, I guess what I'm thinking of is like in my situation, when I was trying to be more confident, like going into law school and, you know, I guess preparing myself to not be so defeatist in everything that I'm approaching. Um, it can feel like a lie to tell myself, oh, I'm good at this, you know, or, or I'm meant to be here. Um, so sitting down and kind of focusing on mindfulness practices like that can be very hard. So when someone in that situation, what would be your advice to them to try and embrace, you know, self-acceptance and believing in themselves? So this is where it gets a little bit complicated because most of the time, when we're not believing in ourselves or we're suffering a lack of confidence, the root is in trauma Mm. at some point or another. It may be that actually, I know something happened at school or something happened in childhood, you know, or there's something around, there's a root in which for every single person I work with, there'll be something about us going back to the point where they stopped believing in themselves, they stopped valuing themselves. And then we shine a light on that. And once you shine a light on that, what you're realizing is the way the body and the mind work is that when we have unprocessed trauma, we keep living that same narrative over and over again, because the brain or the mind is trying to find a different resolution, you know, but the irony is you put yourself back in the same situations where the same thing happens again. And then that becomes your, you know, your inner truth. You're like, well, that just always happens to me. I never get that. Things never work out for me, et cetera. So actually, in terms of really getting to the root of stuff and unlocking stuff, I would use probably methods if we're going to work in a very deep way, which would be maybe based in mindfulness, um, but would actually come from my therapy training, even though it's not therapy. I highlight that. What I would say on an everyday level, though, is the reason I explain all that as well is I think it's understanding that these it's about understanding yourself and your beliefs and where this is coming from so if you're thinking well I'm lacking in confidence I can't do this just take a step back and you know maybe write down why that is like what is this why Mm. am I lacking in this confidence like what do I feel that means then is it I'm a failure uh I can't do this whatever that is you know write that down in a column then I, I would say look at that look at what you're writing does that make logical sense 
are you actually a failure? You know, what have you actually achieved? Let's start really getting logical and scientific about this. You know, actually, you know, you've got to law school, you've done all these exams, you've written these articles, you know, actually, let's start balancing this out. Because what's happening is you're being hijacked, hijacked by your inner critic. You know, that's got one very strong perspective. Get it down on paper, have a look at it. And then think about, is there an alternative viewpoint that I can take here? I love that. That actually makes me think of exercises my own therapist made me do when we were working on confidence. Cause you know, I would have like some sort of like self-defeatist thing to say about something good that happened to me or, you know, something, a success that I had. And one of her um, things that she recommended that I do often is when I'm starting to feel insecure or not believing in myself is like making a list of what I have achieved. And I found that to be more powerful than sometimes you hear, especially on social media, a lot of the time, like, you know, talking into the mirror and giving yourself affirmations. And I'm not saying that that doesn't work. I'm sure that works for some people. But for me, I found that actually looking at what I've achieved so far and like proving to myself, like through this logical, almost evidence, if you will, that I am capable has been more powerful than trying to force this this statement that feels like a lie at the time on myself. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. It absolutely does. And I think one of the thing I would draw attention to here is that fear and anxiety shows up in polarized ways in our mindset. Okay. We go into black and white thinking it's Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. I'll never achieve that. You know, if you're talking to someone about their relationship, I'll never be in a relationship. You know, it's always, it's this sort of absolute polarized state. Mm -hmm. So if you can notice that you're thinking in this really negative way and you'll notice it probably by the absolute the absolute points there you can think okay what fear is present for me you know and when you then start to give the logic as you just described around actually hold on a minute it's a bit like you know going to court isn't it somebody makes an accusation yeah. and you're like wait a minute let me get all the evidence out let me get the witnesses remembering yeah. that's part of you actually it looks completely different, you know, but the way to catch it is often, hold on a minute, let me just take a breath, take a pause, what's happening here, which part of me is speaking, and where's the fear, and what is this fear? I love that, I feel like that is really powerful, and like also very practical, Um, because in a world like every day, you know, there's something on Instagram, or Twitter, or whatever, where people are kind of giving out advice that may not work for everyone, or it's just very lofty. So I love that, like you're breaking it down and this is, this is like tried and true advice that actually works. So I very much appreciate that. Um, I know you have some projects in the work that are your next step. Um, So I'd love for you to share, you know, what you will on that and what you're excited for coming up next. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a really exciting time for me. I do a lot of one-on-one group coaching, working with companies and stuff, but sort of what I'm really trying to do is make my work more accessible to more people, you know? And I think this this counts across the globe, really. It's not just lawyers because I post a lot on LinkedIn and the feedback I often get is, well, this is relevant to so many people, you know? So one of the things I've just created, it's literally about to launch is a course and it's actually Create Your Career Business Plan. And this is sort of two parts. The first workbook is that you essentially do a bit of a deep dive, getting that clarity on what you really want. And, you know, obviously I talk to people who are in videos all about that. Um, The second part is literally the business plan. So it's your vision. It's your, 
but you do a SWOT analysis, your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, your threats. We look at your competition. We get your networking strategy nailed. So we're doing I, what I've tried to do is get my coaching into a course format that's really accessible for people because I can't coach everyone. So I'm really hoping that will be of huge benefit to people. Um, the other thing that sort of come across from LinkedIn um, in particular is just how many people are really scared of networking and really feel like they need a bit of help with it. And I can really resonate because I used to be terrified of it. So um, I'm soon going to be launching, I think, like a rolling networking mastermind um, whereby hopefully I can really support people in that process because the thing to remember about that as well is the sooner you start the better because you know it's like gardening you have to plant the seeds look after your flowers they grow into little trees bigger trees etc and then you're going to have those contacts down the road which are going to mean that you can make partnership or you can do whatever you want because these are strong solid contract uh, contracts contacts even <laughs> um <laughs> What I see a lot is people get to a later point in their career and they just say, oh, gosh, I haven't got a bit of bit, big book of business. Like, what do I do now? I want to make partner. There mm -hmm. are lots of things you can do at that point. But if you start at the early stages, you're going to be well set. And I do like that analogy of the garden, because I feel like when people look at networking, they think it's very robotic or cold. But that's only if you approach it robotically or cold, you know, like if you come at it from what can I learn from this person and like actually caring about the person you're talking to and not just thinking about how can I get something from this? Um, yeah. I feel like that really changes the networking game. Has that been your experience with networking and kind of changing that perspective on it? Absolutely. I, I don't go into anything hoping to get something from someone ever. I, I don't. I mean, I might think, for example, OK, that's a useful contact. Gosh, wouldn't it be cool to go and work with that company, whatever. Right. But I'm, and that might be in the back of my mind, but I'm absolutely not trying to get anything from them. And I think this is where it's about being human and people really connecting with you. People buy from people. People connect with people, not a robot. And I have had some of my most fantastic experiences, um, opportunities come my way because they found me. It's because I just, you know, am me in the world. I'm curious. I want to get to know people. Um, I'll talk to them. I'll be genuinely interested. And then when they've bought into me, they'll say, you know what? I, I really want to do this thing with you. I want you to come and do this work here you know and it's not because I've gone in there with some agenda or selfish reason and I, I I really think that's what it's all about it's about being you know just an honest authentic and genuine you just be you, <laughs> you know? yeah. I love that um where can people reach out to you or get in touch with you um if they're interested in your services or maybe just connecting with you yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, there's my website, which is helenpamley.com. I'm sure you'll give the links. Um, uh, LinkedIn is my sort of big platform these days. That's why I do hang out mostly. So I'm very active there. So please do come find me on LinkedIn. Um, just started threads because obviously that's the new thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How do you like it so far? You know, I like it, but I've never really used Twitter. So I feel like I'm saying one thing and I don't know if it's helpful for people like my one lining. <laughs> I'm, I'm not used to this. Have you got it? <laughs> yeah, I jumped on the app because I was like, oh, this is so interesting. I just thought like the fight between Twitter and threads was really, I don't know, just interesting. And so I joined it. And then after a week, I'm like, all right, because <laughs> I never <laughs> used Twitter either. So I'm, I was just kind of like, this is kind of boring. But if you're an avid Twitter user, I can see how it would be like a new I don't know, a new horizon for them, but for me, it's not. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah no, I, I I totally get that. I mean, in, historically, I've done a lot of reels and things on Instagram as well, and I'll probably be going back there actually if people wanted to find me on that. I'm probably doing a lot more there, but I think that's right. I mean, what I struggle with is in my social media, I don't post just for posting's sake. I really try and add real value and think about what's going to be helpful for people. So in LinkedIn, I'll do hopefully not too long, but I will write a reasonable post in order to provide some value. So I'm still struggling with how to get that into one or two lines for threads, but there we go. (laughs) I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I feel like this is very helpful, very practical advice and that the listeners will reach out to you and learn more about your services. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. And there it is. Thank you so much for listening to this discussion with Helen. I hope that you were able to walk away with something that you can try. I felt like she gave so many good tidbits and practices that people can practically put in place. Uh, I don't know about you, but I often will be scrolling on social media or listening to podcasts where you know, the title will talk a big game about teaching you something. And then when you get to the end of the episode, you're kind of like, hmm okay, you know, what was the lesson? So for me, I know that I walked away from this discussion with Helen really focusing on using evidence to reason out my own fear, if that makes sense. There have been quite a few times where I felt, um, especially being in my final year of law school and going up against the bar exam here shortly in uh, next February, Uh, It's very easy to spiral, as many of you can probably imagine, and I just tell myself, you know, the evidence that I've had so far that is good evidence to show that I am capable of passing the bar exam, and when I take the time to, as Helen said, you know, have a good perspective on my own mindset, and I show myself the evidence why I'm capable of passing the bar exam, a lot of that anxiety it goes away. Like, of course, it's still there. I think a little bit of nerves and, and anxiety are healthy. It means that we care. It means that we're motivated. Um, but too much can also be detrimental. And so having this little tool to, uh, you know, kind of keep myself in check on reality has been extremely helpful. I also found the discussion, I mean, all of it was really great, but these are just kind of reflections for me personally, just to kind of show y'all my goal for this podcast, like how you can walk away from these conversations uh, with little lessons to try yourself and see if they help. Another part that I really loved was the discussion on networking towards the end. I've had a few people reach out asking for advice on networking and talking to other lawyers or other career people. And it's one of those things that I think it's almost over talked about, like we overthink the process. You're just meeting people, you know, if you go into it being yourself, wanting to help other people and just learn their story and just get to know them, everything will fall into place. And a lot of the nerves will often go away when you give yourself that goal. If you go into, let's say, a networking event and you put this self-imposed pressure on yourself that you're going to walk out with 10 contact numbers or a new job or whatever, of course it's going to feel different than if you were to just go in saying, you know what, I'm going to meet at least one person. Like, I'm just going to meet them. I'm just going to introduce myself, have a nice conversation, and learn what they do. I think if we take that pressure away, 
it makes more room for organic relationships. And to me, that's the best way to network because when you start forcing yourself and putting on this mask and you're not really showing up as yourself, I think it's easy to find ourselves in situations and jobs where that's not where we want it to be. So those are the takeaways that I had from this discussion. Again, there's so many, um, but just for where I'm at in life, those were two that just really hit home for me. Uh, I would love to know what y'all took away from this episode. Please feel free to like, subscribe, uh, comment if you can, any ideas you might have for future guests or subjects, any questions you might have about personal and professional resilience, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm most active on LinkedIn, and you can also find me on Instagram at the Sailor's Daughter Pod. I hope you all have a great day, and thanks for listening.